faithwire.com. Governments are warning about the next pandemic outbreak, and the solution you'll be shocked to know is more government. Today is Friday, May 20th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. Love that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faith Wire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd love to have you with us. We go through the news of the cray, we like to say. From a Christian perspective, though, that's the difference you're not going to get on uh, any of these other news podcasts out there. And with me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell, also from CBN's Faith Wire, with a look at what's coming up on this Friday. Fellas, how you guys doing? Well, we've made it. We and made we've it. We've been living our best lives all week, <laughs> and here we are. The weekend is here. It is well, here. Almost. Just a few hours. Yes. Indeed. Um, Yep, so yep, yep. I'm going to be talking about uh, the new president of Warner Brothers and Discovery that they've now merged together. Uh, he's uncanceling uh, J.K. Rowling after she was <laughs> sidelined for the crime of defending women. Yeah, this is a great Having start. This is a great start for the CEO. I mean, just yeah. nuking CNN Plus on <laughs> right out of the gate. Yeah, and then this—that's two for two. In my book, anyway. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where that one goes. And then we've got this story about a persecution watchdog following up on that horrible stoning death mm. of the Christian in Nigeria. We'll be talking about their reaction and really their direct message to President Biden. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to those stories and hearing more about them. Uh, we are going to start here, though, with this new pandemic warning that's emerging from governments, including our government. It has a lot of people, some concerned, but most people, I think, incredibly skeptical, given that the solution we're hearing is more government oversight. It's called monkeypox. And you're probably starting to see the headlines. If you Google it now, you'll see there's a whole bunch of headlines in there this week about some cases of monkeypox popping up. And the first U.S. case has been reported in Massachusetts after... Um, several European countries saw a bit of an outbreak of this viral disease. And so the one in Massachusetts was a guy who'd recently traveled to Canada and was hospitalized with the viral infections, uh, infection at the hospital there. And testing completed on earlier this week said that the man was infected with monkeypox, which is a rare and potentially serious viral disease. It has flu-like symptoms and swelling of the lymph nodes. And then after that, it can progress into this rash and a, on the face and on the body. And um, it is native to parts of Central and West Africa where people can be exposed to the virus through bites or scratches from animals. And they say that the virus does not spread easily between people, but you can get transmissions you know, through body fluids, through sores that pop up um, on the body, or through respiratory droplets, as we've heard Fauci say many times, uh, following prolonged face-to-face -face contact. So it does not sound nearly as viral as uh, COVID was, um, but uh, but this is the first monkeypox case that's popped up here in, in 2022. And in Europe, the um, experts there were kind of perplexed because People were getting um, monkeypox there that didn't have any travel or any contact with anyone who had any travel to areas where it's known to originate from. So uh, that was kind of perplexing, uh, to say the least. And 
Last year, this was the first case this year, this one in Massachusetts in the United States. Um, two previous cases were reported last year in Texas and Maryland, but those patients had each traveled to Nigeria. And there have been nine reported cases of monkeypox in the UK, um, mostly identified in men who have had sexual relations with other men, interestingly enough. Um, a total of 68 cases have been reported in Europe, including England, Spain, and Portugal. Um, the chief medical advisor there in the UK said the outbreak is rare and unusual. Uh, and again, talked about how they were kind of surprised because they didn't, they had not traveled um, uh, anywhere where th that they, you know, this is normally a thing. Um, so that leaves people wondering, well, how is this spreading? And why are, if, if this is not as going to be as viral as COVID, why all the panic? Well, some are pointing out, guys, and this is where we can get out the tinfoil hats, but the NTI, the Nuclear Threat Initiative, they are one of these like think tanks that conducts a lot of these wargaming activities. And recently they did one in which the WHO, uh, the Chinese version of the CDC, um, the Bill Gates Foundation, and others, including Jeremy Farrar, who was one of the guys that was helping Fauci navigate the whole uh, lab leak theory thing, um, all of those uh, parties participated in this, and it essentially was a war game of monkeypox. And so everyone's like, oh, huh, look at that. You guys were wargaming about monkeypox. And the solution, when you watch it, they have these news reports going, and they create like these fake newscast type things. And you watch it, and um, it, it's the solution is, as this outbreak is happening, is the, the announcers are saying, well, in countries that have... Um, good government oversight there's le they're seeing less outbreaks and so there's this push on it, filling these gaps in government oversight as they call it and that, that there needs to be more go global government control so that they can act quickly in the face of a pandemic which is of course people who uh <laughs> pay attention to sovereignty and individual liberties and freedoms are the kind of the the red flags and the more like a blaring red siren is sort of flashing off going wait a minute wait a minute i see what you're up to here um so who knows about the timing on all that and exactly what that all means but it certainly isn't a good look uh particularly when so many people were criticized for you know for as far as government officials for trying to hold on to power during covid and stretching that out i mean, remember two weeks to flatten the curve here we are a couple of years later and there's still people saying when the cases just go up, it doesn't, there's no threshold, just, oh, they're going up. We need to put mask mandates in uh, and things like that. So government officials seeking control over people, something that's always controversial. And particularly, guys, when you couple that um, with the comments this week of CEO, uh, Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla, who said uh, he was talking about this new technology that they have with ingestible pills and he was talking to the to the Davos crowd at the World Economic Forum. Listen, listen to this about these ingestible pills. It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet, and once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that uh, compliance, uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. 
uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. So if you couldn't make that out, the ingestible pill has a microchip in it that sends a signal to authorities when you've taken it. And he says, imagine the implications of that. Uh, I think he unironically said that as a positive, like, hey, we know we can we know when people are in compliance. I mean, there's other implications to that one uh, that I think are a little darker than just making sure sick people take their pills. Um, Clearly, as we've seen uh, with the vaccine and that debate, uh, the problems that, that can arise from that are many. So why does it matter, guys? Um, well, look, nobody wants another pandemic, but I think the bigger concern is these governments, and, and not even on a conspiratorial level, but we saw that governments, they, they panic, and whether it's out of um, malicious intent or good intent, but just not thinking, they want to act in a way that stops the pandemic. And so they a lot of people say, well, the government needs more power to be able to act swiftly. And so they move to do this stuff without seeing the, the, the dangers of, of these government controls and how they can be abused and how they've been abused in the past. So, so what, as for why it matters, I mean, I think we have to keep a close eye on this because I don't think people want to go through a similar um, loss of freedom like we did during, during COVID, particularly in countries. I mean, not even, America saw it to some extent, but Canada, Australia places like that, China, where they shut these things down. I mean, I I think we don't want to see governments around the world moving to give themselves more power in these situations. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest challenges with this, too, is that people no longer trust the government, right? There was already skepticism before this. Anybody who's been to a DMV knows that you know the <laughs> government is not the best at no. running and, and organizing things. Does that mean that we want no government ever? No. I mean, there's th- obviously there's certain elements you need to have structure for. But when it comes to a public health emergency, none of us have ever lived through anything like what happened with COVID. Now that we've lived through it and there were so many bombastic, over-the-top things that were said after we got over that initial hurdle where everybody everybody was scared – And a lot of things that just didn't check out. We don't need to belabor it and go through it all. But when you look back at that, and I've always said this, that was the biggest danger, right? Lying Mm -hmm. about masks to preserve masks for our hospital workers. Okay, great. Like you were saying, good intention, actually. They're trying to protect those people. But you've lied to people now, and they're never going to trust anything else (laughs) you say. And so, you know, is it scary, potentially, that there could be a much more serious you know, medical issue that unfolds way more serious than COVID. Yeah. Are there times that the government might need to step in? Yeah. I think the problem is we don't trust the government to do that appropriately now. And I don't, I don't know how you rebuild that trust at this point. I really don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's particularly difficult to rebuild something that you broke yourself. (laughs) The the government destroyed this for themselves uh, from the beginning. I mean, also I cannot, but, but think that there were, Another reason I think people don't trust the government with this stuff is because very early on in the pandemic, if y'all remember, like Fauci and Gottlieb and all of these other government health care experts were talking about how, well, when we get over this pandemic, there's going to be another one and we need to be prepared. It was almost like they were jonesing for another pandemic already when we were in the in the beginning of one. Uh, and I think a lot of it, like you said, Dan, people now believe is because it's it's an opportunity for a power grab. So it's hard to reestablish that trust when it seems like the government went through all of this and even eagerly implemented a lot of these restrictions because they saw it as an opportunity to take control 
Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I do think, though, that like you said, Billy, there's a potential for a kind of a boy who cried wolf type scenario to unfold in the future. It's like the government saying this is actually a serious something, whatever it is, and nobody's going to believe them because they shot themselves in the foot with how they handled this one. Hmm. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it and we'll um, certainly report on it on CBN News and FaithWire.com in the coming days and weeks. All right. So story number two. So J.K. Rowling's Hogwarts detention is apparently coming to an end. Uh, So the famed Harry Potter author, uh, for background, was... uh, shunned essentially from HBO Max earlier this year when the streaming platform aired its highly anticipated 20th anniversary Harry Potter special called Return to Hogwarts uh, which is a a New Year's special that debuted uh, which it it was a celebration of J.K. Rowling's creation uh, but she was not allowed to be there Uh, so she was sidelined most likely uh, because uh, she's gone to bat defending uh, biological women amid the transgender craze that we're we're currently in. Uh, but the new president uh, of Warner Brothers Discovery, which is a newly minted uh, company, it's a, a bringing together a merger of Warner Brothers uh, and Discovery. His name is David Zaslav. Um, he's reportedly scheduled to meet with Rowling to discuss not only bringing her back into the limelight, uh, but also creating new Harry Potter content for HBO Max, according to the Daily Mail. And the conjoined brand uh, owns HBO, CNN, TLC, TBS, the Food Network, the Discovery Channel, and DC Comics. So this meeting with Rowling is not the first time that Zaslav has rocked the boat in his very short tenure uh, as the president of Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, he just recently famously and unceremoniously canned CNN Plus uh, less than a month <laughs> after it got off the ground. I, canning it is a job. I'm just going to start to interrupt here, but I think can yeah. I think nuke th- threw a nuclear bomb on it, I think was yeah, probably he, more close to reality. Shut that thing down overnight. <laughs> yes. Um, like three and a half weeks after it had Which is launched. really remarkable. I mean, they spent like $100 million or more on the thing. So that's why I say it's more like a new, because like you just don't do that. And he just said, that's it. I've had, well, it's I've, like right. selling a typewriter today. Like nobody <laughs> needs a typewriter today. Like anyway. We should stop. Uh, and then he also halted, uh, I don't know if that's fair, halted, I guess. We'll, we'll go with halted for yeah. this one. Uh, DC Comics had a uh, The Wonder Twins HBO Max original movie, a superhero movie that was in development. And just this week, he also scrapped that, uh, not doing that either. Um, so he, he certainly is, is not shying away from making these decisions that are obviously going to get him and have gotten him. Uh, some some criticism, though, as we've discussed ad nauseum at this point. I don't think anybody wanted CNN Plus. So the five people who subscribed were upset. But um, <laughs> the typewriter of TV. <laughs> anyway, uh, so but like I said, Zaslav's decision to potentially bring back Rowling to uh, produce some more original content is definitely noteworthy because she's faced a lot of intense criticism from leftists over the last few years for her comments defending females uh, from males who identify as female. Uh, So all of this started in the summer of 2020 uh, when Rowling tweeted, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. Uh, 
obviously that got her in hot water and she has been uh, experiencing a whole lot of criticism from the left ever since because she's been willing to say that, yes, transgenderism is real. People can experience it. They can have gender dysphoria if they want to live how they want to live as adults. That's fine. Uh, but stop invading spaces that are created for women like sports teams, locker rooms, restrooms, uh, scholarships being given to biological males who identify as female. She's come out consistently uh, and spoken out against that and actually refused to back down. She said uh, last year that she's received so many letters, and she even called heartbreaking letters, what she said, uh, of support from people who are actually some formerly transgender who have now reverted back to their biological sex. Uh, and she's received messages from them thanking uh, her uh, for standing up and for not backing down uh, and, and kind of giving a voice to people who not only have concerns, but also people who, like these individuals who are formerly transgender, but now uh, have reverted back to identifying uh, you know, with their biological sex. Uh, so she's, she's faced a lot of criticism for that. So the idea of bringing her back uh, is noteworthy. But it seems, you know, maybe Zaslav is actually a novel idea, but maybe he's actually interested in making money uh, as opposed to being a company that uh, is just out kind of catering to a, a really loud mob minority, uh, which, like I said, novel idea. Um <laughs> So, but Netflix uh, is also, I want to bring them in uh, because this happened last week, uh, but Netflix is seemingly going down a similar route. They're not paying any attention to uh, the criticism from the left as far as censorship and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, they released an internal memo uh, last week to all of their employees telling them that they will not censor or end partnerships with entertainers just because, because some staffers deemed their work personally offensive. All of this, of course, comes amid the Dave Chappelle stuff and him making transgender-centered jokes uh, during his stand-up routines. Uh, he, this is what the memo said, according to Variety. Uh, if you'd find it hard to support our content breadth, Netflix may not be the best place for you to work. Uh, adding that their artistic, uh, they added this to their artistic expression section. Uh, so it comes after, like I said, they Netflix released the closer with Chappelle, uh, which he made a handful of jokes that some on the left have deemed quote-unquote, transphobic. Uh, but Netflix said that entertaining the world is an amazing opportunity and also a challenging one because viewers have very different tastes and points of view. So we offer a wide variety of TV shows and movies, some of which can be provocative. We support the artistic expression of the creators we choose to work with. Uh, we let viewers decide what's appropriate for them versus having Netflix censor specific artists or voices. So, you know, it's interesting to see not only Netflix do this, but also HBO and you know, the new president of the Warner Brothers and Discovery Company uh, potentially bringing back J.K. Rowling, who's wildly popular despite the criticism from the left. Yeah. Yeah, interesting moves for sure. Um, and it's I, I think we're starting to see a trend here, guys. When I'm when I'm looking at this, I mean, we see uh, this action here. We've seen Netflix speak out strongly, uh, issuing the statement over the Dave Chappelle flap when they had some uh, quote unquote woke employees who were complaining. Um, so uh, maybe there's a trend. I mean, are we finally seeing the pendulum starting to shift back in the other direction? I don't know, but. It's possible. I, it's possible because we've talked about it many times on this podcast. Companies exist not to be woke activists or activists right. for one side. Like, yeah, you can believe in an issue. That's fine. But but very obviously they're being pressured into this 
and feeling like they're like, this is the wave of where people are going and they want that. But they're seeing that that's not the case. Uh, Disney seeing their stock absolutely plummet. Um, Netflix seeing some, you know, cancellations earlier on. But, um, but you know, I, so I don't know. I mean, maybe the companies are starting to go back and realize, hey, wait a minute here. This is not what our primary mission is. Our primary mission is to earn revenue, to make a good product. Um, yep. to to please all kinds of customers, not just one side of customers. I mean, it would be one thing if this of all these issues they're talking about were ninety ten or ninety five five, right? You could understand why a company would get behind an issue, but the country split. I mean, what it's closer to fifty fifty than anything else. So you, why would you automatically irritate and anger over and over again? It's not even just like on one little issue where they're slipping it in. Um, it's all the time and people are just sick of it now, uh, when they, when they're getting virtue signaled to all the time, they're just tired of it. And so, um, and so maybe, maybe there, we're seeing a shift back. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, it would be a nice thing because I, it would be nice to be able to consume things in society <laughs> without being preached to all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bring up a good point, Bill. I just want to say this before you hop in is I, I'm wondering if maybe uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek should start taking lessons from the new president of <laughs> Warner think? Brothers. Uh, it maybe. Would, it would be good. It would be wise. <laughs> you know, I think the other factor here, and, and this is not to dismiss any of this, I, I think that clearly there's a massive audience of people who don't like this and that audience is growing mm -hmm. and by pushing back on it, you're actually catering to a broader audience and it could be very strategic. And let's keep in mind, this is a company that has so many different brands, right? I mean, Disney has lots of different brands too, obviously, right. but, but this particular company, you're hitting people at, at almost every single level. And what we've been watching over the last couple of years with this cancel culture stuff is essentially the loudest people in the room. They command the microphone and they start basically putting the nails in the coffin of these of these companies. They demand that they do exactly what they want. And with the rate at which culture is changing, you have to assume that some of these CEOs, if they're smart, they realize, oh no, who's the next group that's gonna come up and demand that we do this thing, right? And so I think there's a bit of pushback here and maybe understanding that you're actually courting a bigger audience by maybe a little more vocally speaking out against some of this and taking control of your company. I think you saw with that Bob Chapik, you know, in the beginning of all this saying, oh, this isn't good for companies. Companies shouldn't take a stand. That That is the, the reality and yet they caved. And so, you know, we're looking right now at them at Disney having what a 33% favorability rating among the American public. I think you're going to see more of these companies have much higher favorability because they serve more people when they push back against this. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. I also think some of this is really strategic and smart. Mm. Indeed. All right. Well, let's head into our uh, last story of the week. All right, so this is a, a hard story. We've talked about it on the show already, but we have some updates. This is the story about Deborah Yakubu, a 25-year-old Christian college student who was reportedly stoned to death by a Muslim mob on May 12th. This story has not only horrified people in Nigeria, it has become an international conversation piece. And there's a persecution watchdog. We've spoken with them a number of times on, on this story, but also others. Christian Solidarity International. Uh, we talked with Joel Veldkamp when this story first broke out. We also caught up with him this past Wednesday. 
uh, to really find out, and he's the head of communications at this organization, to find out what really happened with this poor woman and what should happen from here. And he spoke on Wednesday, so this is before the U.S. government said anything. It was six days after this stoning. We were reporting on it. Others around the world were reporting on it. And our government had been had been silent on it still. And Joel spoke very openly, directly to President Biden um, and also to U.S. Secretary of State um, Anthony Blinken about how important it was for America to speak up. He said, the U.S. has a pretty large infrastructure dedicated to religious freedom. If her own government is not going to take this seriously, and our government is not going to take this seriously. I'm really pessimistic about the chances for anything changing for the better in Nigeria. And so what he's referencing there is the fact that from what we've seen, the president of Nigeria and others, um, they're not really coming to the defense of, of this woman. And in fact, the two people who were arrested reportedly um, for the murder were not charged with murder. They were essentially charged with disturbing the peace. And so obviously what CSI wants to see and what Veldkamp wants to see is our government speak out openly on this. And finally, on Thursday, the day after we spoke, and we have a write-up about this on FaithWire, you can check it out, uh, the U.S. ambassador at large, Rashad Hussein, put out a tweet finally at, at noon on Thursday, seven days after this happened, and said that he was appalled to learn about the mob attack and the murder, um, and that you know he he basically said it was about hatred, accusations of blasphemy, the things that we had reported about Deborah, and he offered condolences to her family and called for the attackers to be held fully accountable. Now, Christian Solidarity International put out a response to that saying, yeah, thank you, we welcome the condemnation, uh, but they have a list of things that they want the U.S. government to do. And in fact, the president of CSI, Dr. John Eibner, wrote a letter to Blinken this week really pleading with him because we have to kind of go back to late last year in November the U.S. had a very strange move. Blinken apparently took a trip to Nigeria, and when he got back, he removed Nigeria from the U.S. list of countries of particular concern for religious freedom. That was a decision that really shocked people. In fact, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which is a, a governing body here in the U.S., they called it appalling and unexplainable. They put out a statement saying they could not figure out why would we would remove Nigeria, which, by the way, the crazy thing, and I know there's a lot of details here, but it, it's important to the story. Nigeria is a, a very Christian country in many parts of it. At least half of the country is Christian. And in fact, it's the future of the faith, a lot of people will say. But the northern part of the country is where this extremism has been unfolding. And that is where Deborah was killed. So you have this strange dynamic where all of these Christians are in this country and it's revival and a part of it. And then the country as a whole is ranked seventh as the most dangerous place in the world by Open Doors USA to live as a Christian. So, uh, but but they would like to see CSI, the government here in America, especially considering that Nigeria is an ally, to step up to the plate and really push uh, for this to be remedied. And just to give a little more detail, there's some more clarity on why she was killed. Uh, she apparently made some comments on WhatsApp. Um, Joel said that she was, you know, talking with people and somebody asked a question of how she got such a good score on a test. And she wrote Jesus, you know, crediting Jesus. And that sparked the anger of Muslim students who reacted. And then she apparently left a voice message saying she's not afraid that the Holy Spirit would protect her. Um, and that the purpose of their WhatsApp group was for schooling, not for quote, religious nonsense. And she was murdered after that. So really heartbreaking story. 
But major implications here, and it's a little disturbing to me, maybe our government was trying to get answers, I don't know, but that it would take us seven days to offer any kind of response to this horrific event. Yeah, and it just makes you, it, it kind of, whether it was intentional or not, because obviously they can't comment on every single thing that's going on around the world, but you you are all, you know, Christians wonder, do they care about other issues if this was another let's say special interest group would the comment have come out quicker if it was an lgbt you know person who was impacted by this would the comment have come out sooner and right away and you know it's hard not to think that the answer would be yes when you see how they've acted in the past but um so but that's neither here nor there at this point i mean it would be nice if they reacted and actually seemed like they cared about this issue more but if they can actually do something about it and react, then, you know, I think I think we would take that at that at this point. And aside from that, I think it's just, you know, we have to be praying for our, our brothers and sisters in Christ in these situations because our persecutions here are so minimal compared to what people are facing over there in countries like that where it's, you know, apostasy is punishable by stoning. I mean, it's insane that this stuff happens. I mean, you read about this in in the Old Testament, you know, from 2000 B.C., and they're still doing that kind of stuff over there, and it's wild and, and sad. Well, can I just want to add one thing that Joel said that was interesting. He made a note. You know, a lot of people will say, it's about education, it's about education, and he said this murder happened at a college for education, mm. just the irony of that, on a campus at the security office at a college for education. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, we talk so much about bravery here. Yeah, the, the uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's always something that's not brave that our culture is like. Oh, they're they're being so brave by being pro LGBT or something. It's like, okay, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> that, that is that is definitely not in the category of bravery. <laughs> no. uh, but you know, this is something that actually is, and thankfully, is something that we in the West have not had to experience, and you know, can't really generally fathom um but this is real bravery like a willingness to stand up for your faith and you always kind of you always hope that if if you were ever in that situation you trust that the holy spirit would equip you to be able to stand up like like she has and to to be true to your faith so uh, stories like these are always convicting and just encouraging you know because they are part of the same body of christ like we're all part of the same body of believers so uh, certainly, it's always a good reminder to be in prayer, uh, not just for the believers who are being persecuted, but uh, for uh, our administration here in the United States to use the power that we have uh, to stand up for the minorities like the Christians uh, who are facing violent persecution day in and day out and use our resources as best we can uh, to be good stewards of the opportunities that we mm. have to help them and to help protect them. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff, guys. Uh, as always, um, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. That is all we have for this week. We hope you have a fantastic weekend. And as always, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise up on over our heads. We will be back here next week on Monday with more news of the cray going through it. So, you know, we can all get through this together. So God bless. Have a great weekend. See you then. <laughs>